Good morning, South Point family. How are you doing? Man, y'all looking good this morning, too. Look around. Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, you look good. Yeah, see, first time somebody's told you that all day. You needed that. Super glad that you're here today. I'm excited about what God's doing at South Point. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to be along for the ride. Super excited about what he's doing. Um, you know, I, how about all the great stuff that's going on? I'm, like, I'm going to try to not reiterate everything that was just said, but when you start talking about, you know, we're launching college ministry, they, they set up the entire lobby like a service, a little mini stage, and they brought in couches and brought the coffee shop out into the lobby and, and uh, had just over 30 uh, people out there this Wednesday. Me, me and my wife, we snuck in the side, since we're the old folks, you know, we snuck in the side and snuck in the office with the lights off and watched in there to check it out. And I turned around, and Jenny's going, that was awesome, that's so awesome, I love it. She's just back there bawling about it all. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just awesome what God is doing, and uh, we're super excited. This Wednesday is uh, First Wednesday Family Night. We're launching our first Wednesdays again, and the whole outside's going to be set up. Yep. Um, and it's for, let me just say, in case you don't know, it's free. And it's for everybody, all right? Everybody you can bus in, everybody you can drag here. We're going to have inflatables, free food, some, I don't know what all out there, tons of fun stuff. And we're just going to hang out for an hour and a half or two hours and walk around and talk. There's no message. Okay, good. No amens. Good. There's no, uh, there's no worship, anything like that. And it's just a time for us to get together and launch our first Wednesdays again. And then in September, we'll start launching them once a month. First Wednesday is once a month. We have uh, a service in here. Instead of having two different Sunday services, we get everybody together on the first Wednesday. And uh, I'm really excited to launch those again after summer. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. And with all of that, you know, at South Point, we're constantly trying to develop. We're constantly trying to do things to reach people, to grow you hear us here to, to minister to our kids, our students, our college students, all the different areas. And um, our, our, the next thing that we're looking at, we talked about this back in May and uh, really are ready to start pushing it again. We want to uh, develop, uh, create, and build and install a sign right out front here. If you combine I-44 and 134, there are over 50,000 cars a day that drive by this facility, this building. And they're a brand new uh, brand new additions being built, housing additions being built over here uh, that are going to be, people are be moving in. Everybody has seen the giant 1,700-person uh, Amazon facility that's right up the road. I don't know if you are familiar with this, but right across the street uh, between Portland and the highway, Mercy Hospital has bought 100 acres, and they are building a full-size hospital right there that will employ over 400 people. So this area is exploding. And let me just tell you, everybody, y'all ready for this? I don't believe God brought South Point here by accident. I, I just believe it is for such a time as this. I am super excited. So we really want to, in the next, uh, like we would love to see it in the next six weeks, next four weeks, for us to raise enough finances to put this out on the median when you turn off Strake of Farm Road there, when you turn into our drive, to put that, it'd be four-sided so you could see it all the way around, it'd be lit, and to get that created, installed, wiring under the driveway and all that's right around $25,000. If you want to be a part of it, no, 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 that's the wrong thing to say. I believe everybody should be a part of this because tools like this, little things like this, as we do, like we've remodeled our kids' area, we, the things that we just continually add to, those are tools to reach families. That's what those are for. 
little things like this, we, it, it's a lot of money. When I look at 25 grand, I think, I don't have 25 grand. But then I think, well, we have a church of over 400, and together we can do anything. Amen? Yeah. If, if, if as you give and our budget exceeds what our, what, what, what our budget is, our giving exceeds what our budget is, we take off the top of that and, and hold that to the side. We also, on our website, if you go and go into, log into your giving, there's an option where you can select heart for the house, the heart for the house, the things that we do here, and you can give directly to that through heart for the house. So will you do a couple of things with me? One, will you pray and ask God how you can be a part of what's going on? And then will you just pray, God, give the leaders of South Point more vision than we'll ever have money for. How about that? So we'll just stay ahead of where God wants us to be, and we'll just be constantly reaching people. Listen, I'm, I believe the best days of South Point are right now and every day from this day forward. It is just, it's, I'm just excited about it. So, anyways, we also start, today's our last day of summer at South Point, and we start a brand new series next week. Brand new series called, are you ready for this? Questions for God. Yeah, everybody go, ooh. Have you ever had a question for God? Everybody in here do this. Yeah, I got a dump truck full. Um, next month, we're going to hit a series, starting next week, that are, are going to address some of those issues. Do, do all religions lead to heaven? Why does God allow pain and suffering in the world? Aren't you glad you're not me preaching those things? Yeah, I'm already losing sleep. But I, I believe God answers that in his word, and uh, this series is going to be the perfect series for you to bring your wild fringe friends that I don't like God because of something that happened back in my past, or I don't believe, or I've got big questions and big doubts. Great. This is the big series you need to be a part of next month. So be thinking about that. Be priming some of those friends at work and at school and say, hey, why don't you come uh, see what the pastor's going to be talking about this week when he talks about questions for God. That sound good? Yeah. Well, this week we're going to round it out with the finale message for, uh, for summer at South Point. The last four messages, the last three before this I preached, I've been through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and today we're going to go John 1 till the end of the chapter, the book of John. It is my favorite book in the entire Bible. I have read John more than any other book, and there's lots of reasons for that that I like, but today I'm going to do a message I've never preached. I'm going to take you through the book of John and some of the things that John does just for us. Like, John didn't really write the book as a biography of Jesus, which really, Matthew, Mark, and Luke really are those things. They're biographies about Jesus and his life, but John did something different. He was probably the one that connected the dots the most between who Jesus was, being a man, being God also, being the Messiah, the Savior. And he wrote the book for the people living then and everybody in the future to connect the dots between what Jesus did and who he said he was. So a lot of times when you're studying the book of John, you'll see uh, sometimes at the beginning in parentheses or in italics, it'll say the book of signs. Because John wrote it to show you and me signs, proof, in other words, that Jesus is who he says he was. And so today I'm going to talk you through, and we're going to go as fast as I can to get in 412 different signs, probably not that many, but we're going to hit seven of them that are in your notes, the different signs that, that Jesus did on purpose for me and you to connect the dots on who he is and to help our faith. Could you use a little faith boost today? Yeah. Oh, me too. Always, always take that. Well, 
Let me, let me show you a few signs. Everybody knows what a sign is, right? A sign's to help you see what's going on, what you're around, what you're involved with. Lots of different things for signs. If you walk around South Point, there's 30 different signs. You can see signs right over here. It tells you where the exit are. Signs to please flush the toilet. You know, th all those kind of things. There's just, there's real obvious signs. There's real difficult signs. So here, here's a sign. Let me show you the first one here. Everybody know what that one is, right? Squiggly road ahead, right? Isn't that what you say? Curves, curves ahead. It doesn't tell you exactly because no matter what the curves look like, that sign's always the same. It doesn't say like three lefts and a right, nothing like that. It just always does that. But it lets you know. You understand. The sign's kind of vague, but you know exactly what it's saying, right? Speed up, right? Is that what it's saying? The, the next one is really easy to understand. In fact, they, in case you didn't understand it the first time, they went on and on and on. No parking, not five minutes, not 30 seconds, not at all, right? Have you ever seen that sign? Here, here's, some signs exaggerate. This one's in my backyard. Okay, how many need that in your backyard, right? That's exactly how I feel sometimes. Some signs are just for dummies, all right? This is where you elbow your neighbor. Yeah, some signs are really, have you ever run across a sign that's super hard to understand? This one is super hard to understand. What does that mean? I think it just means once you pull up to that sign, you can never leave. You just stay there. The next one, they, they can warn us of some upcoming danger, right? I don't know if you've seen the... Have you seen the videos of this sign? They're famous. There are a vehicle a week, a truck a week, runs under this bridge and rips the top off. And they have like six cameras full-time around this bridge just to watch dummies run into it. So it's part of it. And then the last one, some signs are just flat honest, all right? Just read that however you want. There's a couple of different meanings in there. <laughs> oh, aren't you glad you came to church today? <laughs> signs. Signs, we have them all throughout our life. Some signs are big and bold like that. This is Jesus, right? That's big sign. And some signs are subtle, and they need somebody that understands what's going on to connect the dots. This is what that sign means, and that's exactly what John does. He starts off the book of John with one of my favorite, my grandpa, my grandpa's been our spiritual leader of our family for 50 years, for, yeah, right at 50 years, and I can remember three or four verses that my grandpa would say way before I was a Christian, way when I was a little kid, through my teenage years, I could hear him say stuff, and he would, when he, he starts talking about the Bible, and he starts telling about the different stories in the Bible, he always ends up somewhere in the book of, he always ends up at 1 John, the book of John, first chapter, he always ends up there, and he'll start in with this, this verse, this, John starts it out, John chapter 1 is poetry, he, he lays some poetry, and then he goes right for the heart. He kind of like woos us in and then just tackles us. And these first four lines, listen, that he says that, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, in case you have any doubts, He was God in the beginning. He lines that out. And then he goes on and he says, Through Him, all things were created. Without Him, Nothing that was ever created was created or made. I may be sw swapping my words for verses or versions. And then he says, in him was the light of all mankind. How's the last one? Go? The light shines in darkness. And he's, he's given us a, a look back. He's saying this light, the light of all mankind, it shines in darkness. 
And it, it shined in darkness, and the, the darkness tried to put it out, but the darkness could not overcome it. You understand, like it's been 20 years now I'm writing this book. It's been 20 years since Jesus was killed and resurrected. And let me just tell you, 20 years later, it's still shining bright. That's what he's saying. He's like, I want you to know from the beginning that I'm going to connect some dots to who he was, who he said he was, what he did, and how you should believe in him. That's the way he starts off John chapter 1. And so I, I want you to see this. If you have notes, if there ever was a day to take notes, this is it. Because we're going to connect a whole bunch of scripture to a whole bunch of points really fast. All right? Are you with me? Yeah. Put your neighbor in the arm really lightly and ask, are you with me? Sure. All right. The first sign comes out of John chapter 2. John 1, he introduces us to Jesus. But in John chapter 2, he comes right at us with turning the wine, the water into wine. This is Jesus' first miracle. He is, he is at a, a wedding. It's one of my favorite stories. He's at a wedding. They run out of wine, serving, serving wine to, their, to the party. And his mom, Mary, you know, Mary, that Mary, comes to Jesus and says, Hey, son, they've run out of wine. And Jesus says, Mom, it's not my time yet. Like, can't you, can't you just imagine this argument going like, I'm the son of God. Chill out, Mom. All right? And she was like, Son... You know, am I doing that right? Son, they've run out of wine. And Jesus said, it's not my time yet. And then you know what Mary says? She doesn't say, oh, I'm sorry, you're right. You know what she does? She turns to the servants and says, you guys do whatever he says. She didn't say, you're going to do this. But she said, you're going to do this. To God. Is that just me or does anybody else read it that way? She said, y'all just do whatever he says. And Jesus does. He turns the water. He takes water and he says, go, go get uh, all the jars of water that you can get. So they bring the jars around the house. They, they used to catch water and all that kind of stuff because they'd use it for cooking and for bathing. They brought all those jars, little jars, and I'm sure some big jars they brought around. And Jesus turned that water into wine. And then it says in John chapter 2, verse 11, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs. Everybody say the first. Like, see, why was it a sign? And he goes on, through which he revealed his glory and the disciples believed in him. Through which he revealed he was God. He didn't play by the same rules as me and you. He didn't talk like me and you. And he didn't back up what he did say like me and you. Jesus said he did. This is a sign. Your next fill in the blank. This is a sign of his powers of and over creation. Woo! What does that mean? What does that mean of and over creation? Can I tell you that there are no, like, every rule, if you're, if you're a believer, you believe that every law in nature, every law in science, all of those things, science constantly proves Jesus. All of those things were created by God. If you believe John chapter 1, then you understand that in the beginning, he was God and he helped create all things. Him and God did all of those things. They created all those laws. Everything that's knit together and working by all these laws of physics and laws of thermodynamics and all these, God did all of that. Yet, when he came to earth, he said, my first miracle at this wedding, turning water into wine, is going to let you know that I still, and I didn't turn off my powers at creation. I still have the power of creation and over all creation. Nature and the laws don't hold me back. Can somebody say, thank Jesus you understand what I'm saying? When you pray, you don't have to pray according to our laws. It's a good point, Pastor. You know, can I stretch you a little bit this morning? 
This was a sign that he's God. This is a sign that, well, I don't have to plant. Okay, sure, Mom, I'll turn the water into wine. Y'all go get me some grape seeds. We've got to plow up the field, plant some seeds. Do you understand? That's how we would think. You've got you to plow up the ground. You've got to plant the seeds. You've got to water them. You've got to prune them as they grow. You've got to wait for them to mature. Then you've got to pick them off, and then you have to press them, and then you have to wait for them to ferment, and then you have to whatever all that is involved to make wine. Months and months and months. And you know what Jesus said? You bet. And that was the first sign that you can trust in the one that we call the Savior. That was the first sign. In John chapter 4, it goes on. The healing of the official son. One of the wildest stories because this is a Roman official that comes to Jesus in John chapter 4. And he says, have you ever noticed, by the way, that when you get down to brass tacks, when you get down to there's nothing left, when you get down to I've exhausted all of the resources, that you'll step all across all kinds of weird lines to get things done in your life. You ever notice that? You go to weird places. Because this Roman official, he steps out of his officialness and goes to this rabbi. And he goes to Jesus in John 4 and he says, Rabbi, my son is super sick and he is about to die. Everybody say, to die. My son's about to die. That'll change the way you look at the world. And he said, unless you heal him, he's going to die. Will you come with me and heal him? And Jesus said, no. And I'm sure the official's going, well, I didn't want to do this, but I can make you. I'm a Roman official. We rule this place. And Jesus said, I don't have to go. Your son is healed. The guy gave him a high five, did a 180, went back, to, running back to his house. And the scripture right after that in John 4 says that he met the servants coming to him. And they said, they were waving their arms yelling, sir, your child, your boy is healed. While they were having the conversation... While the guy was doubting and wondering, is this possible? Why won't he come with me? All the things that would be going through our mind. Jesus said, he's healed. It's done. And look what John says. John brings this out. He's not going to connect all the dots this way, but these first couple of ones he wants us to see. I want you to understand, Jesus did this on purpose. John 4.54. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming to Judea. This was a sign that Jesus has ultimate power over space and distance. Let that sink in for a minute. Because sometimes we think Jesus needs to come to my hospital room. Jesus needs to come to my boss's house. <laughs> Jesus needs to come to my marriage right now. And can I tell you that all he has to do is say yes. Jesus can cross any amount of time instantly. In fact, if you really get down to it, it's, it's a sign that's redundant because when Jesus leaves... At the end of John, when we get there, when he is resurrected, resurrected and he ascends into heaven, what he said is, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm actually going to leave you with my spirit so that all believers, you don't have to come to me, Jesus, physically, but that all believers will have the same spirit that just raised me from the dead living inside of you. Come on, do you understand that he is the God that crosses all space and all distance all the time? He's everywhere. You don't need to pray, God, come and visit me. He's with you. Walk in that. Amen? It's a sign for our faith. It's, it's important that we understand that one because I've had too many people ask, where's Jesus? And my answer is, he's with you. Where, where was he at in this situation? Right there. 
well, how come it didn't go the way I wanted it to go? That's next month's series. Because Jesus is everywhere. When he said, I know the hairs on your head, that wasn't like, are y'all impressed? Then what, he wasn't trying to impress us. What he was letting us know is, I knitted you together. I know every cell. I know every breath. I know every thought. I'm, I'm everywhere. Because too often we mistake the absence of the presence of Jesus for the absence of his power. And those two aren't connected. We need to realize that spirit is living in me if we believe what it says. Amen? Number three, the third sign that happened in John chapter 5. It's one of the, one, th- this one's really deep. I'm going to try to not chase rabbits and talk about all ten different things that are inside of it. But Jesus heals a paralyzed man. And let me give you a little bit of background because there was a weird swimming pool kind of pool. There was a weird pool in Jerusalem, the pool of Bethesda. And the legend had it in, in John chapter 5. It, it reads that to us. I'm not going to read it today, but it tells us about it that Every so often, not every day, but every so often, an angel would stir the water. And it would bubble, and the first few people in the water would be healed. Just the first few. Jesus shows up on the scene, and in John 5, this is the way it goes. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Everybody say, that's long enough. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Are y'all ready for this? I don't know if we're ready for this on Sunday morning so early. He asked him, do you want to get well? No, no, do you want to put down the things of your past so you can get a hold of what I got planned for you for the future? Hear how quiet it is in here? Jesus, like, is that not the single dumbest question in the entire Bible if you're just a realist? I've been laying next to this pool for 38 years, and you ask me what? But sometimes in life, Jesus will ask you the most difficult question you can think of to get our minds where they need to be, our hearts where they need to be. Do you really want this? Do you just want me to fix this, or do do you want to follow me? Do you, you understand, like, these are, these are signs, but they're not just one-liners. They're books under each of these signs. There's theology that, are, that comes out of each of these signs because of who he is. The man said to him, he said, yes, I do want to, but what happens is when the angel stirs the water, people beat me into the water, and I can't get there fast enough because I'm crippled. Jesus said, but do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And he says, yes, I do. Jesus heals the man. We already know we're going there, right? So I'm just going to tell you. Jesus heals the man. But then later, in the same chapter, he finds the man in the temple, talking about his healing and stuff, and then says something that really stands out. Let's just look at this. John 5, 14, a few verses later. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning. Or something even worse may happen to you. Wow, that's not a very nice thing to say, Jesus. <laughs> Do you, am I reading too much into this to think that maybe the reason the guy was crippled because he had a really fun time when he was younger? I'm not saying God made him crippled. I'm saying something he did. He's, 
I don't know. He's partying on top of the house, fell off. I, I have no idea. But I do know what Jesus is addressing here is, is I, I've already addressed your current physical state. Now I'm addressing your spiritual state. I'm good at, with healing you. I've healed you. But listen, don't waste a healing. Woo! Don't waste what I'm trying to do in your life. Do you see these little signs? Do you see these little things I'm doing? You've been asking for a sign. Connect the dots. Here's the sign. Here's the sign. Here's the sign. Now, if you don't want to regress, if you'd like to go forward, I want you to stop sinning to change your life. Does it sound like a little bit like the story of the, the woman that was caught in adultery and they brought her and Jesus said, I forgive you totally, right? But go and sin no more. Like, let's don't get back to this spot. The way to change is to change. To say, I'm going to do something different. This was a sign that Jesus could heal all existing conditions. And I even put in parentheses, no matter the cause. I don't know what his cause was, but I think there's something else going there that Jesus wants to make sure that we get. If this is going to be a sign, let it not just be a sign that I can heal people. That's a no-brainer. But I, but I want you to know that I can help you by giving you the power the courage, the direction, the purpose to stop sinning so you don't end up in the same ditch I just pulled you out of. Amen? John isn't just writing a biography about Jesus. John is writing steps to prosper in your faith. He's writing steps to stay out of spiritual bondage. Steps to stay out of the bar ditch. You know what I'm saying? Steps to stay out of crashes in life, spiritually, emotionally. John is wanting us to connect the dots to see that this Jesus who we've been preaching and who we've been talking about does a lot more than just preach. He's here to save you from the inside out completely. John chapter 6, the fourth sign. I've got to speed it up. I'm going too slow. The fourth sign is the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus is preaching. There's about 5,000 men, it says, recorded. So if, they're, if they have families, if they have people with them, wives, children, there, there may be 10,000 people there, but at least 5,000 people. They come up on a hillside. They're listening to Jesus preach, and it becomes the middle of the day, and everybody's hungry. They go to gather up everybody's lunches, and there's one kid, it says, that has a lunch. He's got a couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread, and a couple of loaves of fish. Jesus prays over that gives thanks, and says, begin to distribute this. Now, I don't know, like, in this room, there's, there's probably less than 200 people in this room right here. You ever, you ever been to a, 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 an arena somewhere where there's 5,000 people? What if you just took your little, you know, you get a, a big box of popcorn, the big one, you know, extra butter, extra salt, somebody say preach it, pastor, okay? About that big, it's got handles on either side, maybe even wheels for dollying it around. And you, and you take just one piece out of there, and you pass that down, and they get a couple of pieces, the next person get a couple of pieces. Do you know how long that would last? Like maybe, what, two or three rows? And then we're out of popcorn. And Jesus hands out these fish, and you never get to see abracadabra. I love it. I love it that you don't, Jesus doesn't pray, everybody close their eyes, they open their eyes, and everybody's got a happy meal right in their lap. Woo, it's great. Didn't happen that way. Keep passing the popcorn. Keep passing the popcorn. Everybody takes a little pinch of the fish. Everybody tears off some bread, and it goes to the first thousand people. And, and you know the disciples are like, what's going on? It's still going. The basket's still going. The basket's still going. The basket's still going. 2,000. 3,000 people. 4,000 people. And by then, you know they're starting to look at Jesus. And Jesus never says it, but John does, that this 
is a sign to show you that it is him who provides out of, hold on, out of what we give back to him. If somebody wouldn't have given that day, nobody would have eaten. If, if, if we just hold it back, think if the little boy would have said, well, I'm not, if I'm the only smart one here, I'm not giving mine, right? Then nobody would have eaten. But isn't it amazing that God can take what is not enough, everybody say not enough. God can take what is not enough, and if you'll put it in his hands, he can make it enough to bless everybody that's there. This, this is a sign that it is God that provides. He often looks for us for a little kickstarter, for a little help. Hey, I've given to everybody. Who, who's willing to give back? Well, it's not enough, Lord. It's just a couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread. All right, hand it to me. What's great is at the end of that story, Jesus says, now disciples, go pick up all of the leftovers. And the story goes that they picked up 12 baskets full of leftovers. Now we go on and we talk about that for days. Go back to the Old Testament and the structure of government and following God and all the different, what 12 represents. All. God is constantly in everything you and I do, in our food, in our job, in the electricity in our house, in the air in your lungs, in the money in your checking account, in the clothes in your closet. He is showing you signs that He provides. It's Him that provides. And anybody that's ever been working and going and blowing and doing great in your job and then blow a disc out in your back and you're laid off for six months while you're laying in bed, recouping, you understand how precious that balance is of being able to work. I thank God every day, just thank you, Lord, that my legs work, that my eyes work, that I can come to work. Thank you that you provide everything I have. Amen. He's the God that provides. John 9 is the fifth sign. He healed a blind man from birth. This is the man. This is the one. This is the mud in the eye story. You know this one? In John chapter 9, the guy's sitting on the side of the road. Jesus walks up and goes, who are you? The, the people tell him, I've been blind from birth. You know what Jesus does? He doesn't say like he did to the official son, well, then be healed. Jesus goes, <laughs> if I was a blind man, I'd be like, <laughs> you're like, hey, hey, hey. You know, front kick, you know, something like that. <laughs> I've had this jug played on me before. Can you imagine? Like, I'm try, I, try to, I try to read Scripture like it's me in there. If, if I hear somebody go, <laughs> I'm like, hey, Chris, what's he doing? He just spit in the dirt. Nah, I'll pass, man, thanks. <laughs> he, he spits in the dirt. It says he makes i mean how much spit do you have to have to make mud he, he spits in the dirt he makes some mud rubs it on the guy's eyes and he says go wash go wash in the pool of shalom go wash in the pool of peace go wash your eyes i'm sure his friends had to lead him there he gets to the pool and washes and somebody that was born with a condition born into a circumstance that was out of their control by just obeying, by just saying, I'll trust you. I don't know you. Hey, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Think about how crazy sometimes, how wild 
Ah, that can't be Jesus. He wouldn't be spitting in the... The Son of God spits? Like, I'm trying to be legit. How many questions would go through your mind? And when we pray for things now, and God tells us, I'd like to provide it this way, you go, nah, that's not not how you're going to do it. It's not my plan. That's, 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 That's too weird. And you know me, I'm not, I don't like spit on my face. It's not, I mean, I, I would think you'd do something that I would like, right? I, I would like to heal you, Jesus said. I'd like to fix what you're praying about. But it's going to take some weirdness because I want to stretch your faith. These are signs that are meant to grow your faith. This is a sign. He's the power. He has the power over disaster and misfortune. And I just, I would just add in there, whatever you're born into. This, this is obviously not this guy's fault. He's born that way. So many of us have circumstances happen to us that they are not because of our decision. They're somebody else's decision. They're bad luck. They're chance, an accident. Can I tell you that even in the craziest situations, he's still in control. And sometimes to lead you out of that situation you're going to hear some weird stuff. Maybe him hacking one up. Maybe him making some mud. Maybe he's ask you to do something that you've never even thought of before. But he said, your healing's just a few steps away. The last two are the best of them all. John 11. Jesus, after the blind man, the, the, the Pharisees, The religious leaders in Jerusalem have about had enough. Jesus keeps doing things and claiming he's God and healing people miraculously. And the religious leaders have had enough and they're they're really wanting to get rid of Jesus. And so actually he gets out of Jerusalem for a few months. It actually goes through the winter and then we pick it up in John 11. And the reason is, is because what happens in John 11 really sets into motion everything that happens for the the next couple of weeks of Jesus' life. Because he gets a note, he gets a message that one of his good friends that's in a family that he loves, Lazarus, is sick and is going to die. I've heard the message preached before because Jesus hangs out in the town he's in for two more days before he leaves to go back to Jerusalem. A three-day journey. And people say, well, why does Jesus stay? Why does he wait? If If he knows he's so sick, why does he wait? Well, one of the reasons is because it wasn't time. And he knows if he goes back to Jerusalem... He's going to walk into a bee's nest. The religious leaders are waiting for him. But when he goes back to Jerusalem, he finds Lazarus has already passed away. And he's already in the tomb, in the cave. And in John eleven thirty five, 35, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's one of the most touching. Because Jesus knows what's fixing to happen. And yet it says, John eleven thirty five 35, that Jesus wept. Two words. And the only thing I can think of is that he wasn't crying because of Lazarus. He was crying because of the hearts of everybody standing there. That Lazarus had died. And it hurt their heart. And even though Jesus knew, I'm fixing to raise Lazarus from the dead. I mean, don't they know who I am? I've been doing this for years. Even though Jesus cried because of the pain of Lazarus' mom and dad and sister and brother and cousins. Everybody's there for the funeral. And Jesus says, Lazarus calls out to a dead guy. Can I tell you, Jesus does some weird stuff. He says, Lazarus, come out. And the sister even says, Jesus, no, not now. Surely he stinks. Have you ever heard that one? 
I love the King James, surely he stinketh. I've actually said that to my kids a couple of times. <laughs> and Lazarus gets up. It says he walks out in his grave clothes. They have him like mummified, and he comes walking out. It's an incredible scene. And it's an incredible scene for several different reasons. One is the sign. It's a sign for the first time that Jesus has power over life and death. Jesus can turn it on and off. All he's, got, like he's crying one moment, and he just says, Lazarus, come on. Come on out. He's in the grave clothes. Lazarus comes out. But it's, it's also incredible because if you raise somebody from the dead, this is the exclamation point that the Pharisees need. See, Lazarus, in the first half of John 11, Lazarus is raised from the dead. That's his story. But you know what the title is for the second half of John chapter 11? The plot to kill Jesus. Because the final sign... John 18, Jesus is in the garden praying. He's captured and tried. John 19, they crucify Jesus and he dies. They put him in a tomb just like Lazarus. But on the third day, John 20, we get the seven and the greatest sign of all. They go to the tomb. Not only is the stone rolled away, Jesus is gone, but there's an angel there. And he says, why do you look for the living among the dead? Drops the mic and flies off. Why do you look for the living? Has he not been telling you? Have you not been picking up on the signs that he's been laying right in front of you? They're going to kill him. They're going to destroy this temple. And then three days later, he's going to build it back. Have you not been picking up the signs? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus gave this as a sign which he says all through scripture as a sign for me and you your last one that no weapon formed against me will win no weapon you see we're going to face a lot of weapons in life church right you're going to face a lot of what you're going to face anxiety worry disease accident relationships pain, just on and on. I mean, you can just name them over and over and over. You're going to face lots of those things. And Jesus said, the only reason I let them kill me is so I could raise from the dead. Because that's a sign that even if they kill you, I have the power of life and death. Right? Even if. If it's a disease and you go blind, I'm the I have the power over every circumstance. Right? If I'm broke and I don't know how I'm going to get my food, who's the Lord of the provision who takes a couple of fish and a couple of loaves and makes it enough, right? If you're in a boat and life is in your life and it's going crazy storms and Jesus comes walking out on the water, it's to show you this right here is to show you you can't go through anything that he's not the Lord over. All of those. These signs. And, and my question to us today as we wrap up, like, what sign are you looking for? Like, yes, I would love every Sunday if Jesus would show up here, I'd go, all right, Jesus, everybody put your hands together. The King of Kings, yay! And we'd like clap, and Jesus performed some miracles, and thousands of people lined up and got healed and all that. But he didn't choose this time. He chose this time. We wrote it down. 
there are hundreds of thousands of signs. Jesus alone fulfilled 300 plus prophecies in his birth. When, where, how, how come? All these different situations. We have the sign. What sign are you looking for? What are you going through right now that you need a sign? Have, have you made a decision to follow Christ? Are you waiting for it to be written in the sky? Well, I don't trust because of what happened when I was 12. Can I tell you, here's your sign. Here's your sign. If you're, if you're a believer and you've not taken the next step and you've been baptized, a public profession of who you are in Christ, a symbol of, in that tank right there, a symbol of dying with him and being raised to a new life, can I tell you, here's your sign. If you're not serving, here's your sign. Love people. If you're not giving, here's your sign. A couple of loaves, a couple of fish. Whatever it is you're looking for, Jesus said, I've come to give you a sign. I've come to give you, and listen to how John, one more verse, chapter 20, listen to how John wraps this up. He starts us off with the poetry. Jesus is God. He walks us through the signs in John, and then he says, and your last little fill in the blank is John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. You may have life. Can I tell you the reason I want to end with my favorite book for the summer of South Point? is so whatever you're going through, you can say, today I feel like God gave me a sign with this message. No matter what I preach, through his word, he's given us signs that he's in control of your life. He's just waiting for you to quit kicking against the goads, as the Bible says. To quit fighting him and get in line with what he's trying to lay out, the purpose, the steps for your life. Let's do it together. How about that? We're going to pray one prayer today. And my goal, my, my ask this week would be, as I pray, you would pray one word. Yes. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want in my life, yes. Let's just do this. Let's do it 100%. You've been waiting to go from 50 to 100. Here's your sign. Let's do that together. Lord, we are so thankful for your word. Good grief. We're so thankful that we get all the versions on our phone in our pocket. Thank you that we get your life, your ministry, your, your theology, your practicalness, your miracles, your signs with us all day, every day. Thank you so much, Lord, that you care for each of us individually, that you knew exactly who was going to be here today, exactly what they needed. And I pray that your spirit, Lord, today, your spirit been speaking to them, has been drawing them closer to you, showing them how much you love them, how much you want to provide, how much you want to take care of, how much you want to lead them, how much you want to grow them. I pray today that our answer would be yes, Lord, whatever you want. Yes. I'll take the next step. Yes. I'll go all in. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Whatever you want. Yes. If you want to put mud on my eyes, yes. If you want to take my lunch, yes. I've seen what you've done. I've seen the signs. I know what you can do with a little. I trust you, Lord. Even though it's weird, I say yes. I trust you. No matter what I go through, I've seen that you're in control of everything. You turn water into wine. You raise the dead. What do I have to be worried about? Yes, Lord. Yes. That's our prayer today. Yes. 
Yes. Yes, and amen. One last time, let's sing this together. Mm-hmm.